Hello, and you're in the cool room. Uh, joining us as our feature guest today will be Blake Willoughby from Two Birds, but um, joining me as co-host and for a little chat, first of all, it's the man with the best ceiling windows in Melbourne, Travis Bristow. Hello, David. Perhaps the only ceiling windows in Melbourne? I don't know. No, nah, there's got to be more, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I don't know. There's not a feature that I imagine many builders have been installing, but I thought well, I'd get my reference to them in nice and early today, although I do think they get a mention with Blake in the interview later on as well. I think they do, yeah. I think, there's, well, there's 10 townhouses in my row, so I reckon they've all got them. <laughs> do, you know who, do you know which fine building company was responsible for this? Let's <laughs> not mention them. They may never sponsor us again. No idea. No idea. How have you been? I've been good, mate. I've been good. Just, uh, obviously, it's... For us, it's a week or so since we recorded the interview with Blake, and in that time, the government's announced the easing of corona lockdown restrictions. So, like all publicans and bar owners and even cafe owners in Melbourne, restaurant owners, trying to get my head around what that means and what a starting time might look like, and what I've got to try and achieve in the interim four or five days. It, all, it is all slightly confusing, isn't it? They... Um... Yeah, well, the once the the rules are in place, they're in place. But uh, every venue is going to have a different idea on what they can and can't do. Uh, absolutely, and you know, I don't envy the government the difficulty of getting those messages out. But the document that was sort of out on Sunday night for us, that website's now a page not found one on business.vic.gov.au, and there's sort of fifteen other documents that, in and of themselves, all might make much better sense. So trying to put them alongside each other is a exercise in mental Tetris, which you can do in, you know, for an hour or so a day before your brain freaks out. So yes. I do that for an hour or so. And then I go in and I clean fridges and do other bits and pieces by way of, you know, fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. But looking to get things underway from, you know, pretty much the beginning of the time that we're allowed to. So if you're at all keen to, rock on into the Royal Mail, now is the time to be either messaging us on Facebook or Instagram or you can do the old-fashioned thing and ring the landline at the pub and leave a message and we'll start to take bookings because I think that bookings are going to be the way to go to actually ensure that we know who's coming in and that we're not getting people to waste their time travelling to West Melbourne to only find that the pub's already booked out because we've already got a fair few bits of interest for some of the big days. I have seen a lot of that pop up online the last week where, uh, you know, people are sort of preparing themselves for reopening and they're really emphasizing the, you need to book type element of it, which, uh, which makes a lot of sense really. I mean, it's going to be the, the way of the world really. Yeah. I think that both making sure that you book, if you're going to come and then, you know, absolutely doing the right thing, no matter where you're going by, if for some reason you get a flat tire or the, you know, the baby didn't sleep the night before and you can't make it letting the venue owner know because if you're only getting 20 people in and all of a sudden you've only got 11 people in the impact on them if they paid for staff particularly extra staff to make sure that things are clean and ready to go is going to be pretty severe in those first few weeks there's going to be a lot of people probably running at a loss just to be open and that loss will be compounded if they don't actually have punters in the door I saw a particular pub in the western suburbs of Melbourne, and I won't name them, but they put up on their Facebook the other day that they require a deposit upon booking. Um, 
I don't know, they didn't list what the deposit amount was, but it was obviously their way of making sure people didn't flake out and not turn up. Yeah, that's that's pretty hardcore, um, but I sort of get where they're coming from. I think that's going to be one of the tricky things for, you know, pub owners in general is, is being much stricter both in terms of enforcing things like that, in terms of enforcing sort of just protocols within a pub, you know, where... Not that anyone ever breaks the rules, but you know you you sort of let things slide a little bit. There's going to be no capacity for that, and regulars, you know, most of our listeners are going to be regular pub goers. You know, just doing what you can to support owners in in that, rather than making their lives difficult. And you know, the rules are pretty clear. If you're not getting a meal, you don't get a drink, for instance. And you know, don't contest that, or don't say, "Well, yeah, I had a meal three hours ago. That's why I need another pint." Um, owners are not going to have the capacity to, to let people slide on that. Don't put them in a position where they're constantly having to be, you know, an enforcement officer, you know, in a place where, where everyone wants to be having a good time after not having been able to have a good time for a couple of months. That's it. Yep. Well said. Place that you can have a good time, of course, is in your own house. And, um, you know, not only do we have our session with Blackman's coming up, which for most people... We download this, it'll probably be 24 hours away from occurring. So that's Thursday, the 28th of May at uh, seven o'clock. There are tasting packs still available for that one. Even if you're listening to it as a podcast, double check with us and we, there may still be tasting packs available for it. And there's tasting packs for the two birds interview that we're about to do with Blake as well. Yes. All ready um, to go. He's selected four of his favorite two birds beers and you can grab that for as a $20 for the four-pack home delivered, or you can get a pack of 16 for $75, which for the kind of beers we're talking about, a great value. They're all, you know, good sessionable beers that you can enjoy a couple of a night, um, you know, while you're listening to the podcast and just relaxing around the house. Sounds like a great idea. Have you got anything that you want to announce about your world, Travis? Um, no, my world's been pretty... Low key over the, the last since the last time we spoke, so not much has been going on. It's been a bit. I do like the idea that they're saying events and event venues might open up by the end of June, which means that uh, I could be back on deck at work pretty quick. But uh, who knows? Well, I, think, it's... I think we're all hoping that there's as many people back to work as quickly as possible. Yeah, exactly. You know? I think everyone, even those people who are finding silver linings in it all, I think are probably now getting to the stage that there's only so long you can spend lying on your floor looking at your ceiling windows before the novelty wears off. Well, we might have, like, this might be the podcast where there's more references to the ceiling windows than anything else. I feel like I need a little scoreboard or something. Maybe I'll, you know, got nothing else to do. Maybe I'll do that. Um, I reckon we kick on with the interview with Blake. And um, if you haven't already followed all of our socials at the Cool Room, please do that and subscribe, rate and review and share it with your friends. And um, we'll look forward to you joining us in one of our virtual Cool Rooms soon. Walk 
walk into a bar on a cool winter's evening underneath the stars and we'll find somewhere close and joining us today in the cool room is blake willoughby blake now from two birds but blake has a long history in the melbourne beer and brewing and ripping scene dating back and crossing paths with me numerous times as we'll touch on Welcome to the show, Blake. Thank you very much for having me here, David and Travis. Uh, yeah, pleasure to be here, guys. And uh, good to see all... you again as well, David. It's been a while <laughs> going back a bit um, with with our, with our history back in the day, saving me saving me back in the comedy scene. Uh, well, in in one sense, in getting our <laughs> getting both of us into more trouble, but that was all good fun, and we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> very much so. We'll, we'll tell those stories as we go along too. I was, I was just going to yeah. say, does that mean you've got stories, Blake? Uh, uh more of uh, yeah, definitely a lot of support from David when it comes to being able to dabble in some comedy at uh, the old venue, Mister Griffiths, from back in the day. Marvelous. Good times. In fact, I was looking up some of the old... Um, look, I'll tell these stories in a minute. Let's not get ahead of ourselves yeah, before, yeah, no, sorry. before we do any of that. Um, for people who want to follow you and uh, follow Two Birds as well, uh, seeing you're here to spruik their good wares, um, tell us the social medias that people should follow just right up front so that people don't have to search back through the whole episode if they want to catch up on that kind of stuff. Definitely. So for all things um, Two Birds, uh, best handle is at Two Birds Brewing. Um, if you're out on in the West and you're keen to drop by the nest in Spotswood, we also have the Two Birds Nest, um, which is definitely spruiking a bit of news now that we've got some more details with all the all the lockdowns and whatnot. And my own, um, I've made it pretty easy across both Insta and Twitter. You can find me at Blake is Brewing. Blake is bringing my son will be devastated that you fell on that one, or at least he will be in five years, uh, 15 years' time. If I'll have know. a chat with him down the road if he wants to pay for the handle or anything. Yeah. So we'll, we can uh, just, just sure. board on, yep. <laughs> because I'm sure everyone's going to be doing Instagram at that stage. So, oh, yeah, Blake's yeah, yeah. will be something else by then, at that stage. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> now, mate, we're going to touch on a few of the uh, bits and pieces where our paths have crossed along the way, but I might kick off with some of our traditional cool room questions which are just sort of things we use to set the scene and i guess the first one of those is usually you know what's the first drink that you can remember having it's you know not necessarily the most outrageous or you know <laughs> but, but something a bit above your mum giving you half a glass of wine someday uh yeah i was gonna say i reckon the first one that i could remember would have been a little snifter of vb and a little tiny Stein glass from my old man. So something very similar <laughs> to that. Um, no, I, I'm i from a probably pretty traditional family in here in Australia where drinking's pretty strong within the family. So I uh, remember trying way back when my um, my pa would did a bit of home brewing back in the day when I was a kid. So trying that and spitting it back out, though, would have <laughs> been uh, what I was doing back then. Yeah, I think that's a fine tradition as well. Yeah. But um, no, definitely, definitely probably sparked my interest in drinking. Might not have sparked my interest until I started drinking beers that were good, a little bit older, that's for sure. Oh, that's, uh, you know, I'm sure your grandfather was happy with you tipping out his homebrew. <laughs> <laughs> I know, just the worst compliment I was giving, that's for sure. <laughs> Do you remember then sort of the first craft beer you had? You've already set the bar a little high there in your in your opening answer, you know, in terms of beers that you really enjoyed. Craft beers, 
well, probably my big entry to craft beers would have been well, going back a little while now, certainly before they got bought by Asahi, but um, going to a wedding at Mountain Goat when I was younger at the brewery there in Richmond. Um, and yeah, I just remember drinking the Hightail, the Steam Ale, all of those sort of that, and then various ones that they were doing on the day for, for this wedding and just thinking how great it was and all the different varieties. And it's, you know, I, I was pretty young at that point, I think very early 20s. Um, it was a bit eye-opening to actually see some things that are a little bit tastier than, you know, cut and draft around the corner where we're having stuff like that. So that definitely would have opened my eyes for sure to some, mm. uh, some different types of beers. Yeah, cool. What about um, Melbourne establishments? What, what are your favourite sort of Melbourne bars, either no longer in existence or um, closed due to lockdown? Well, I live in Brunswick, so I'm a little bit spoiled for choice, mm. um, I think. So uh, probably my favourite place that I've been missing during the lockdown um, that's walking distance for me is uh, The Retreat. Um, love the beer garden there. Love getting to sit outside um, and just enjoy the, the nice weather at The Retreat. Um, then always have friends who do live music there too, so... Definitely a place to miss, especially at this time when all of that's being sort of starved off from people. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, that's it. I've got a mate that um, quite often does gigs at the retreat and he was actually saying to us the other day how much he's missing that aspect of things, actually being able to go into the pub and perform. And Yeah, for sure. Like Thursday world. nights there, you know, that's you'd get a good run of about four or five different bands all yeah. getting freaked their own stuff. And they might not get gigs at other places, but... You know, I, I, that's why, again, another thing I like about the retreat is they're always willing to try something new up on stage, that's for sure. Yes, very much so. It is. I haven't been to re- the retreat in many years. Um, I'm sure it hasn't changed too much, though. It's, Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good place, though. Yeah, so if that means Brunswick to Spotswood, that's a decent, decent hike. Oh, look, mate, I've had bigger hikes than that. So that's uh, that's definitely closer to home for me. Um, nicking over a 20-minute drive over to the brewery is a lot better than the hour and 45 to two hours I used to do having to drive out to Mornington Peninsula when I worked with them for a bit. So, yep. yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely happier with the, the short trip out to Spotswood. That's for sure. That Spotswood's a good part of the world as well. Um, the oh, Nest is actually my sort of walking distance venue. Oh. So. Perfect. We have to come into the brewery when we're, the nest is back open. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm kind of missing it at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. <laughs> and how about overseas? If you, you know, if you've got the chance to sort of jump on a plane today and do all those things that no one's going to be doing for a little while, you know, where would you like to head back to? Uh, I'd love to head back to the UK, to be honest. Um, yep. I spent a bit of time living over there. Uh, it's actually probably where I developed most of my taste when it comes to craft beer and certainly where I developed my desire to want to work in the industry. Um, I worked at a little craft uh, brew pub over there. Um, uh, give it a shout out. Bring in the cellar. Sorry, what was that? Give, give a it spoke. a shout out. The Queen's Head in King's Cross. Nigel, if you're listening, I'm giving you a spruik all the way over here from Australia. <laughs> um I fell into that job. It was just one of those ones where you, you know, you're an Australian overseas and you get to working as a bartender. And um, I remember drinking like uh, Colonel 
Um, over there, it's only in sort of around London area and just drinking their table beer and then their black IPAs that came in and, you know, and all the car scales and stuff like that. I absolutely fell in love with all the British style beers and Beavertown Brewery Black Betty is probably one of my favourite beers in the world. So I'd, I'd love to get back over there and be drinking them fresh. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's it. All of those beers, you're not, uh, not finding them uh, over here. And it's, yeah. Not at all. Not at all. It's, um, I, I do jump on Chris over at, I'll give another shout out to a bottle shop, Chris at uh, Beer360 um, in, in Richmond. I, I, I was popping in to see him one time uh, just on my calls. And yeah, one of those rare occasions where as the salesperson, I end up buying beers as I'm, I'm leaving because one of the rare places that I'd ever seen Beaver Town um, sold in Australia. So yeah, always jump on those whenever I spot them. It is a, it is always a good vibe when you walk into a bottle shop and you actually see something that you've wanted to find in Australia for a long time, and there it is in front of you. And yeah, definitely, it's almost like a blast from the past when you yeah. see it. You know, you're not expecting it at all. Um, definitely a bit different than when you're over there and you see Fosters and everything, and you're just like. Mm. Oh, that <laughs> if one more person had to ask me over there do you just want to drink a fosters i i was going to do my heading <laughs> when you have to explain that i've only ever seen it here and never back home they they don't understand the concept that's for sure i remember being in london a few years ago and walking into the pub which was across the road from the hotel we were staying at and i asked what they had on tap and as soon as the guy behind the bar realized i was from australia he just went straight. Oh, we've got Fosters over here. I'm like, well, we just don't drink it. Like, it's never had it before. Never, never had, had it before. before. Yep. Like, it's, it's not a thing. It's constantly being offered. Yeah, yeah. Strange how that one came on. And if only it was a better beer that would really captured the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah. So they certainly captured the marketing zeitgeist. You got to give them that much. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's very, very true. Well, I mean, there's a lot of beers. I think at the moment that rely quite heavily on some amazing marketing that's for sure yeah not wrong mm. <laughs> <laughs> now in all of that experience in all these pubs and places you've worked around the world you've uh you must have been to a cool room or two along the way <laughs> you must have seen some disturbing or uh, i've seen or... some pretty disturbing things um yeah yeah definitely i i remember i've, I've had people call up and talk to me about issues with their beers and then when you see a beer line you know that it turns out they haven't cleaned it since they'd opened and the venue's been open for 18 months and you're just like i can't look at these lines like it's you're meant to see through, through these sort of things at times and you know and the fob's all filled with scum and stuff that's that's what makes my skin crawl. Um, oh, it certainly makes you not want to go back there in your off hours to have a beer <laughs> or something <laughs> But uh, no, cleanliness is probably the craziest, but I mean, you know, the, some of the craziest things I've seen is when a keg's erupted or, you know, something like that. And you walk in and the shock of people's faces is there's cider dripping from the ceiling. Um, yeah, a few, a few different different emergencies have had to be solved in the old uh, cooler days, that's for sure. There's uh, nothing quite like that feeling as well of it. it, it oh, the keg always seems to explode right at the beginning of a shift. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, 
It's always the last one that you've got of that beer. Oh, uh, well. yeah. Like, no replacement after that. Yep. <laughs> and usually when you've got no other sort of staff on to help you or anything like yeah, that, just that yeah. bit where, you know, 4.30 <laughs> in the afternoon as, the, as things are starting to get busy, but the rest aren't in yet, and it all goes pear-shaped then. Speaking from experience, David. <laughs> yeah, no, very much so. <laughs> I feel like we need to maybe put a new traditional cool room question um, in relation to when was the last time you saw a keg explode? It seems to be a bit of a running <laughs> theme at the moment. I'm surprised at how uh, common it seems to well, be. That's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, it seems every second guest we have on this my podcast only advice has a story is, about it. My only advice is there's not really much else that you can do at that point. The pressure's got to go somewhere, so just hold your mouth open and let it wash <laughs> over you. John, <laughs> it's very good for your hair. That's what I thought. Yes, 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 yes. Perfect for the skin as well. <laughs> Now let's oh. see, shall we shall we delve back into the history of Blake now that we've worked our way through our traditional questions and look we've sort of touched on the fact you know you've had many many different roles in the uh, in the brewing and beer related industries but what's the best place to start sort of home brewing from you and sitting at your grandfather's lap and the things you learnt there or when you're over in the UK and you land back in Australia what's sort of the Look, I'll be honest, I'm not one of those people who'd say I was a beer expert my entire life. Um, I definitely had a pretty basic palate uh, before I sort of went travelling and everything like that. And it was definitely being overseas, working at at the Queen's Head that really sort of picked it up for me and made me want to get in the industry. And originally it just started off with asking me to go downstairs and clean their equipment um, and, and make sure that the yeast wasn't getting knocked over and spilling everywhere like that. <laughs> so n- nothing too exciting, but um, I'd done a bit of home brewing, but nothing, nothing to write home about. And getting back home from being over there overseas and it just led to me to, yeah, want to get into the industry. So started working at, um, I used to work at You Brew It out in Oakley South. So you used to be able to come along and do your own brewing as we'd teach you there. Now, does that um, still exist or is that sort of a, a no, place? No, unfortunately, I uh, David, I, two days before I had my first show at Mr. Griffiths, which we'll go into uh, in a bit, uh, I was made redundant from my You Brew It job, unfortunately, So, uh, which is a very exciting thing to happen in the middle of, well, just before you start a comedy run. <laughs> um, you're trying to tell jokes whilst he's thinking about how you're going to keep the roof over your head. Um, yeah, re- really set the tone. But um, but so those places were really sort of quite big in the Melbourne community in the sort of late '90s, even right through in the early first decade of the 2000s, weren't they? That there were a whole lot of places like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we were still pretty pretty popular as we were ticking along. We'd always have regulars in each week who'd be brewing up for their you know cricket event or. Um, frisbee golf we were providing for the melbourne frisbee golf teams at one point as well and you know it was it was it was really good it's just i think the it sort of be a bit of a struggle sometimes with those sort of setups with the constant rising in excise and things like that it's it's kind of you need a little bit of flexibility i think when you're getting people into brew you know it's it, it you don't want to limit them by what they can and can't make because of tax and things like that it takes away the fun of it i think and takes away yep. the art of it 
But it, the, I mean, the only reason that it closed up was um, David, who owned another David, who owned it. Yeah, another David, not this. Yeah, David. Another David. Um, he was he was just looking to retire and settle down, so he closed just decided to close up the business. And do you reckon it's also because these days people can sort of do far more, have far more sophisticated home brewing kits at home and things like that. It's not the old days where you're either going somewhere like that or doing it in a garbage bin at home type of thing. <laughs> I, yeah, we've we've definitely moved beyond the Cooper's kit from Kmart, uh, haven't we? Like, yep. <laughs> um, no, definitely. You know, places like Grape and Grain, we can go in there and get a pretty high end home brew system that doesn't take up a lot of space is fantastic and i mean i've just said that but i live in a one-bedroom apartment so i'm not brewing at home at the moment (laughs) um it's a bit of a bit of a bit difficult here um but yeah i mean the setups that you can get nowadays are are, are awesome and i think people are getting more and more into the actual art of making beer and and what different varieties you can do and everything like that yeah Mm. Yeah, that's it. And grape and grain do pretty good kits too. So we'll give those. Yeah, that is awesome. Out. I've got uh, I've got one of their pale ales on the go at the moment. So fantastic. Good little setup. Yep. Always got to go well with the pale ale. That's for that's sure. It. And luckily, I don't live in a one bedroom apartment. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you've got your fantastic ceiling windows that must be really good for venting as well. Oh, I feel yeah. like we haven't mentioned those for a while. <laughs> I feel like they get a look in at every every podcast we do, don't they, David? Yeah, well, I, I haven't mentioned them or mocked them lately, so I just thought I'd throw that in there. But yeah, whilst I was at um at Ubruit though, I I wanted to get into the other side of of beer and dabble in some sales and stuff. And um, that was when I started working at CUB, and I actually. I like how you got ourselves. You've got us back on track here. That's normally. Oh the host no! Was like, so I was thinking. I was thinking about your past because you good, mentioned good. your previous podcast, and um, I was going to say you had Kumar from Deeds Brewing a couple of weeks ago. Kumar and I go way back. We both started on the same day at CUB, so um, it really shows the kind of level of of beer lovers that that they tend to get in and facilitate who all end up packing up and leaving after a while. So <laughs> I didn't realise that. You, you, must have, you must have been sort of crossing over and over and over over the years in all sorts of ways then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kumar and I are still pretty good mates, actually. We still catch up. Um, are you not allowed to be mates with other reps? Is that what Oh, sorry. I don't know. We don't talk shop at all. <laughs> we, we'll beat that part out. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you end up knowing a bit of everyone. Everyone seems to float around in in this industry. I think it's yeah, um, yeah all over at different places. And I mean, I've I've certainly done my fair share of moving around. That's for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So you went to CUB. Any you know any good CUB stories? Any you know it was a, a useful thing just in terms of getting to learn the the ropes of an industry or um, just I think it was there? because it an interesting thing that I learned and. Um, I'm not too sure how uh, open and honest I should be on this podcast, guys. Very, CUB don't listen. Yeah, yeah, there's no one from CUB listening. Well, the thing that I learned is, I mean, working at Ubruit at the same time, I was working at both places at the same time before I went full-time at Ubruit. And um, the one thing you learn is that even these massive multi-million dollar, billion dollar companies we'll just have a crack at an idea and have no concept of who's going to drink it. 
Um, I was there when Red's Apple Ale was being pushed and introduced into Australia, and I'm sure it has a market over in America, but wow, that was uh, I, I don't even I, remember Red's Apple Ale. Oh, David, don't you don't you don't need there's, to remember it. There's, there's good reasons why you don't remember it, I reckon. Yeah, I, I, I we had a sales incentive at one point. Um, and just to bring it back to Kuma, I did beat him. Um, <laughs> so I ended up because you're dog we, better looking. That's really the key <laughs> point of contention with Kuma at the moment. <laughs> well, when we when we had this sales comp and we ended up winning and we won a slab of Red's Apple Ale. And I think it ended up sitting in my apartment, like at the bottom of my cupboard in my apartment for about three years. Because so I'm like, I'm not going near it. And it just sat there for ages. Um, but yeah, even even those larger businesses, they, they, they tend to not do a lot of market research or they seem to think they know better, which, yeah. There is the I, philosophy that they'll just drive it hard enough and that people are bloody, you know, enough ads during the cricket. And... You've got the leverage, you know, I guess, to be like, well, you know, do you want all these other beers? Then yep. try this one. I think I had a slab of red sitting in my spare room for a long time as well. I had a mate that used to work at CUB that used to give us slabs of crownies for Christmas every year. And just this one year, he gave us a slab of reds and it, uh, yeah, it didn't go, didn't go down yeah, he, too well. He's definitely just trying to palm off an allocation to you there, Travis. <laughs> <That's> I think. <laughs> and you could just, you could tell when he was handing them out. Cause like there were people that wouldn't normally get a Christmas present that were getting slabs of this beer in this particular year. Um, yeah, he was, uh, someone had said to him, move it on, move it on. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely say that. That's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm ragging on the fruit beer though, but then after CUB, I did end up going to, I worked for Matzo's yep. for a bit. Um, so the Broom Brewery's far bigger, bigger drive than going out for Spotswood. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that was great. I, I did, I did really appreciate the time I was there. Um, but I was there, unfortunately, after when Gage Rhodes bought them out and um, as, as original members were not kept on at that point. So another redundancy, David. I didn't was, mention was, that. I went through another redundancy after after you brew it and uh, being at Mr. Griffiths. <laughs> be, be more, you know, more redundant than you know any other man. Yeah, I know. I, know. I don't know why anybody keeps taking me back. I'm just going <laughs> to cause redundancy. No, I'm not going to cause redundancies. Two birds will listen yeah. and be worried. <laughs> what was your favourite Matzo's beer out of all of those that used to kick around back in the day? Um, we only did it for a little bit. It was a limited release when I was there, but they did a mango IPA. Mm -hmm. um, I, so I know they normally have the mango beer and everything like that, which very sweet for me. I mean, during summer, it's a, it can be very refreshing, but a little bit too sweet. And then, um, yeah, they did this one run of the mango IPA, and I thought that was really top-notch, really, really top-notch. Yeah, nice. Mm. Do you have a... Um... Uh, a favorite beer that you've made or a style that you're yeah i think into. my favorite one that i've ever made and i made it for um for the show um that i did was uh a black ipa uh, i think i mentioned earlier that the beaver town black betty's my favorite beer is a black ipa and i've always been a really really big fan of that style i keep suggesting to Danny and Jane at Two Birds, each time it comes up as a, what beer should we make next? My suggestion just seems to be different levels of black IPA. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably the best one I've ever made. Cause it's, I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but it, I loved 
giving that to people to try because it's one that everyone sort of goes, they'll look at it, they get a preconceived notion of what they're going to taste because of the look. And then when you actually get a taste, it's just the look on people's face when they go, oh, hang on. Um, I love that. And that's part of beer making that I find really interesting is where you can, you know, really mess with what people are going to, are going to taste and what, what they're thinking they're going to taste. It's a style I love. And there's a couple of great ones in Melbourne, but also just, you know, compared to how many IPAs and pails and things, it's remarkable that there's not, not more of them out there. Yeah, but, um, it is weird. It hasn't quite picked up. Um, I remember drinking one, from Weedbeard, a Camden-based brewery yep. in, in London. They had a, um, something, something dark side, which was like a 2.9% black IPA. And I was, I was thinking at the time, like, who would, you know, being an Aussie, who would want to drink a mid-strength beer? Um, <laughs> but, this is lunacy. Yeah, exactly. But uh, something about a sessionable black IPA, it just completely, I was sold. I'm like... Sometimes you, you want the full flavour without the need to, you know, stumble down the hallway after you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure whether it qualifies, but I know that the uh, the Kaiju uh, Cthulhu is coming out again next week. Certainly not in the mid-strength category, but no. we're going to be uh, we're going to be delivering that one out with our tasting packs if, for people who want it. So I'm just going to get that oh, little plug in as we go. Keeping an eye out on that one then, because yeah, I'll good. I'll tell you what, they're probably one of my favourite um, favourite black IPA that's made in yeah, Australia. Sure. Completely mm. agree. I agree. Completely agree. Well, you've mentioned the show in there, so let's let's now get to the to the pointed bit of the discussion here about when you and I first crossed paths, which was when you were looking for a spot. You were looking. You yeah. had a venue had fallen through. Is that right? Yeah, I'd had a I'd had a venue all lined up that um, ended up closing down. The old Brew Cult. Um, That's right, Brunswick. Yeah. So they, they'd closed down and then um, this was only about, oh, what would it have been, David? Maybe three weeks before Fringe or uh, if like that? Yeah, if that even, I can't. Yeah, it was super, super short time. So it, Back in 2015? I think later uh, than that, 2017. Gee, it probably was. I'm losing I'm losing track of my life. But yeah, I, I saw I that in your notes right. actually and I was thinking, nah, a little bit later than that. Um, yeah, 2017 because... The venue had fallen through and then, yeah, we, we, we're trying to find a few places and then David came along with Travis and basically saved the day because the nature of my show and what I was doing for my show it was called Brewed Thoughts and um, what I'd been doing was brewing three beers out at work at, at Ubrew when I was there and then the show was essentially an hour-long stand-up show where we would drink the beers and do a kind of tasting whilst I did stand up based around what we were drinking. Um, so I'd already made the beers. So it's not like it was, you know, having the venue fall through. I'm like, well, what do I do with like 300 litres of beer that I've made <laughs> for this run? And I'm like, I've bottled everything. It's um, yeah. So it was a bit of stress there for a while. And then yeah, David and Mr. Griffiths came forward and um, had the show out in Kensington and yeah, absolute blast. That's One of my abiding memories of, of that was, of course, Mr. Griffiths had a very, you know, a whole lot of different sort of clientele, but including sort of families who'd come in for burgers and food and stuff. And you used to have a, 
Well, it was a mate. It wasn't you that did it. Was it who used to wander around in a giant beer costume encouraging people <laughs> to come upstairs? Yeah, indeed. That was um that was my director, uh <laughs> Drew, Drew Belson at the time. He um yeah, he would spruik and wear the I love beer suit down and around whilst uh, I was upstairs upstairs getting ready. He would come down and show everyone that it was definitely a beer lovers retreat upstairs. Um and yeah, get get people up there to listen to me play Wu-Tang Clan and waffle on about silly jokes. So, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun every yes, night. Yes, yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. Um, I haven't actually touched on and I was planning on do it, writing and doing another show this year, but obviously with the way things have sort of happened and whatnot, it's put a bit of a pin into that because um, comedy is always sort of something I just do on the side um, as a bit of a creative outlet. Yeah, a lot of the people who do it full time, I'm thinking about them at the moment because um, it's a bit, bit, bit obviously barren and everything with the festival being cancelled, comedy festival being cancelled, but got to work there around, is, um, I guess, at the moment. There is a little bit of talk on the grapevine this week of potentially sometime around November of doing a scaled back comedy festival event. Well, that's... Uh, um, that- that's good. News. And I'm probably talking out of school because I'm not sure I'm supposed to mention that, but it doesn't matter. It's fine. You can beat that out. <laughs> I think that'll be also, I think the problem might be that every festival is thinking that they might have a little mini festival in November. Um, yeah, they'll be I think festival. if um, I think if one gets off the ground though, it'll be this using the idea that probably by November we're allowed to have maybe 50 people in venues. Um, and not sort of focusing on the bigger venues, but focusing on the smaller venues like the Royal Mails and and those sort of type places. Good and, plug, um, Trav. I don't think I've done one today, so thank you for that. <laughs> Got to get it in there at some oh, point. Oh, absolutely. I've done well. Thank you. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it, it's um, if it comes off, it'll be quite good for comedians, people like yourself, people in my industry, people like David. Like, yeah. Everyone like, yeah, yeah, everyone, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, that's one thing that I would say that's cause people to you know really think outside the box at the moment is during this pandemic and lockdowns is um you know people are gonna start thinking like all right in november we can only have 50 50 people how do we make that work and i think it's just people are starting to come up with some really creative and interesting ideas to to make their restrictions work and especially in a safe way still as well yeah and sure the beer industry in the meantime as well so you know there's Definitely. I mean, the the all the different local breweries out west side and um, combining, and they did the um, Hop Nation, did the community tinnies. Yeah. Um. So we were in that, and it's just really great little, you know, local savior local sort of thing that um that really is is quite refreshing to see. I think during all this, um, and yeah, really highlights and makes working a little bit easier as well, knowing that there's people out there supporting you and mm. wanting you to do all right. So it sort of brings us to your two birds type of time. So was it January, February? You walked into <laughs> walked into the Royal Mail and yeah, uh, I think our was... old mate Jason, who's gone to other clients. Yeah, Jace, Jace off at Stone and Wood now. Um, yeah, it would have been fair, but I think it was. Uh, came by, saw you again, which was great. Getting gung-ho and ready to be back on the road after leaving the previous job and, and coming over to Two Birds and all excited and then all of a sudden the next week or so that everything's closed down so um <laughs> i'm a terrible jinx i think <laughs> well, 
before we get to the closing bit, let's talk about the happy bit about getting that gig at Two Birds because there's a whole lot of our listeners who listen to this because they reckon they're going to get the inside word on how to be a beer rep one day. That's their sort of dream job. Uh, well, um, I couldn't be happier with the move over to Two Birds, that's for sure. And I'm not saying that because I think they might be listening. Um, no one listens. It's basically just me and Trevor, isn't it? <laughs> no, they... Um, I couldn't be more more happy. That I, I wanted to get into somewhere that was a little more craft centric, um, a little more local than what I'd been doing, and somewhere that you know within the industry has such a great sort of story. And um, you know, being the first female owned brewery in Australia, um, those are sort of things that I could really get behind, and especially with what they've been pushing out. Um, I, I was all gung ho to get there and it's, it's been great and I love it. And if there's anyone out there who's thinking about getting into the industry, I guess the one thing you've got to be prepared for is rejection. Um, and that's the, the main thing. I'm sure people have said that plenty of time. <laughs> um, in, but, and in pretty much any industry is the, yeah, oh, no, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sales, sales pretty much is just, just rejection. Um, and I guess it's also, the way you deal with that, you know, um, the challenges of, of you, you got to take it and don't let it hit, get to you. Um, especially at the moment when, you know, little things can really get to you if you, if you're just working from home and whatnot, but, um, yeah, you just can't let the little things get to you or else you'll be stressing out over things that are way out of your control that you, yeah, you can't do anything about. And, um, two birds are great. Um, they've been like, with regards to looking after us um, as employees, fantastic. And it's a really, really awesome team to be a part of. Um, and they've been doing some, we've been doing some really good things in the meantime, like the nest is closed, but we've opened up a drive through bottle shop down there. So I worked there on when did I do that? last Friday. Um, I worked the bottle shop, which was good fun. People coming through, buying their beers. It is a pretty good setup down there. It's a nice little, Spot to drive through to. Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. Growlers and squealers are already set and filled for you. So, um, and again, I think that's just another example of just taking what is happening at the moment and going, well, let's not let it beat us. Let's work out how we can get around it, Um, which is awesome. Awesome to see, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you've uh, you've come up with a lovely little four pack for us of some of your favorite two birds that we're going to be able to deliver out to people so that they can enjoy them while they listen to the podcast in, yep. uh, in a little bit of a few weeks time or next week, whenever we get around to bring that one out. It's also probably just worth putting out there that for people who want to go back through our archives, um, if you go all the way back to June the 12th, 2019 season two, episode four, uh, Jane from Two Birds also has a yarn to us, and so they're probably the two uh, podcasts that you want to have a listen to when you sit down with the uh, the Two Birds pack that Blake has curated for us. So, you want to run us through what people are going to be finding? We will do. So, um, going, I wanted to go with some on, of our ongoing beers, and then a couple of the limited release ones, so you can get a bit of a bit of a taste of of what we've got going with Two Birds at the moment. Um, and first one up. Bog standard, but it's a bog standard for a reason, is your pale ale. Um, I think it's a necessity. Most most breweries will get to a point where they realise that a, a pale ale as part of the portfolio is incredibly important. 
Um, and Two Birds obviously did not too long ago because it wasn't it wasn't one of their original beers. I was just about to say that it uh, yeah it took Two Birds a little while. I mean to get to put it on the core range. It was... Yeah, I think I think you know you always think you can sort of you don't need it, but I think a pale ale in there is. I mean, that's generally if I'm trying a new brewery myself, personally, I always start off with the pale ale. Um, I'm always of the opinion when it comes to tasting and sampling, you need to be able to drink the full drink. That's the drinking experience. You can have a tiny snifter and it might taste delicious, but unless you can drink the entire thing, it's difficult to really say it's a great drink because you haven't really had any of it. And I think with our pale ale, the fact that they used um, rolled oats, during the during the brewing process, that just makes it so much smoother and silkier as it's going down. And um, I tend to find it's quite difficult to just stop at one. Um, <laughs> I would agree with you on that. Yeah, they, the pale ale at Two Birds is the one that I go to when I walk into the nest while I'm trying to make the decision on the beer that I actually want to try. <laughs> and then I just find myself, you know, four schooners into the pale ale and just haven't tried anything else. Yeah, I know, mate, I, I'm the exact same. I've had a few allocations so far and each time I'm like, oh, I could get the sunset. I, could, I keep picking up the pale every time. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really good. And with the rolled oats in it, I think as standard is something that's a little bit different um, and gives, gives the two birds pale a bit of point of difference there. So, yeah, have a taste, guys, when you're trying this one and I'm sure you'll see. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's balanced as well. I think Jane probably would have mentioned it on the past that podcast is, um, having balanced beers is really important to her and, and two birds. Um, so the next one on the list is the passion victim. And that's another one that's quite balanced as well. And another one that going right back to <laughs> talking about earlier, another fruit infused beer, um, as it uses passion fruit pulp. Uh, that gives it that sort of summer blast with the, the the hops that you've got going on, and it's only lightly malted, so when you drink it, it's it's very very yellow and and hazy because it's unfiltered as well. Um, but it's uh, it'll make you think of of Christmas time. And that one's really stood the test of time, hasn't it? Because you know when that first came out, I can't remember if it was core range or not, but it was certainly a summer beer, and you know that sort of thought that you know maybe we'll enjoy this for a few months and. You know, way yeah. Well, I think I think that's sort of how it started off. As it was just going to be something that yeah. that was just limited, and yeah, you know, and that's all. That must be great to see when you when you release one of your limiteds that ticks on so well that you need to just keep it on as ongoing. And I know that was the case with one of the other ones from the ongoing range. It's not part of this four pack, but the taco, same sort of principle. It came out such high demand for it that it just had to keep going on with ongoing. And um, that's where the passion victim, I think, is. Is, is very solid and yeah, I hope it sticks around for a lot longer. It's one of the ones that's just in cans as well. So um, yeah. you're just getting the one way of getting up there today. And, um, but the others that we've got going on the list, are, funnily enough, I've already mentioned Wu-Tang earlier in it, but mm. from the Brew-Tang cans, um, our Brew-Tang can series. So I decided to just choose, choose two of those ones to add in. Um, and first up was the Chu Tang, the Nipa. Um, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest Nipa drinker. 
Uh, oh, oh big call, Con- mate. Big call. Controversial. Controversial. <laughs> I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll drink it, but I'm not, I'm not enamoured, I think, when it comes to... We're going to have listeners turning off at this point, <laughs> I reckon. Like, yeah. Well, don't turn... Off just yet. Uh, <laughs> have the uh, have the um, the true tang can with Nipa. Um I just I, I like it. I I'm I like the bitterness personally um, of an IPA. So I, I don't like to override that that some of the Nipas do. But again, I think the balance with the true tang, it's still got that bitterness there. Um, but it hits you on the front end of the palate. So that that traditional Nipa fruitiness that comes in, it sort of carries the bitterness away so it's it, it, i like that better when it comes to neepers as opposed to just being full frontal fruit right at right from the onset it's probably only one of two neepers that i revisit over and over again the it's, the yeah, tang. yeah yeah it's if i'm going down to the nest and i'm getting some takeaways it's normally one of the ones i'll always grab but um yeah, it's it's only a limited release at this point, yeah. but it's it's been very very popular. I'd be surprised if there's not talk of it coming on as, on as, the core as, range, a, regular, yeah. as a regular yeah. cycle. That's for sure. And then, um, lastly, more fruit. Um, I wanted to have a sour in there. Um, I again, I I, I love a good sour. Um, but I also like a sour that is a little bit different. Um, and the fruit tang from two birds, it uses the yogurt culture to get that, to get that nice smooth uh, finish, uh, clean finish. I mean, more like of a, uh, the, the, the sour hits you, but it doesn't linger and be too, too you when you have a sour and it's, it's biting and it sticks around. Um, I think with the yogurt culture and the fact that it's guava and pineapple in there, it, it just is a nice hit of sourness without being too, overpowering for you so it's um it's all about balance with two birds it's all about wanting you to enjoy your beers and be able to have a few because yeah you don't want to ruin your taste buds and not be able to drink the, the next beer afterwards that's for sure <laughs> so these are these are very approachable beers both in terms of flavors and you know sort of alcohol levels they're kind of you, know, you could have one or two of these on a monday or tuesday night it's not like a friday night special kind of thing is it no uh, definitely Definitely. I, I didn't add a barley wine or anything to the list for, for people. <laughs> it's a time and a place for those. But no, it's- no, definitely a time and a place for those. Definitely a time and a place, um, especially with the cold temperatures. But um, no, I've, I, again, it's people are two birds that say it, but I, and I've already said it a few times already today on the podcast, is I like to drink the beer. I like to drink the entire pint. I like to taste that and it always gets me whenever people just have a little taste and don't drink an entire glass and they can judge an entire beer on just that um because that's not how you drink that's not the full experience so and that's when i think you can come across people who really know what they're doing when it comes to making a beer is giving you that full experience to be able to go all right i'm not just going to have one and done i'm going to have a full flavor and go all right what's my third mouthful going to be like and and that's, again, that's part, what you need to think about. It's part of the experience. Yeah, that's, ex- yep, that's bang on. Perfect. Couldn't have said it better myself. Let's, um, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what's your, um, what's your favorite two birds beer out of curiosity? 
Uh, I know I was talking up the pale ale so much. Um, the one that I probably would say is my favourite that I, I'm surprised by because I'm not a big fan of coriander outside of it is um, the taco. Um, absolutely love it. But I, I, again, when it first came out way back when it was just with Good Beer Week and everything back in the day, I mean, I'm not a big... I don't mind coriander. I'm not one of those people who gets that soapy taste, but, you know, it's it's not... I can always do without it. <laughs> um, but when it combines with the corn and the lime, um, I mean, of course, that makes sense as to why it's meant to give it that taco vibe. Um, but it just... it works a treat and in a beer i wouldn't think it would i mean on a taco fine but in a beer very very <laughs> yeah. surprising very very surprising and it's, the, the taco has been a pretty big hit for him hasn't it it's you know it's it's stood around for so long after that initial release that you know like you said it had to become part of the core range and it's it's readily available everywhere you go especially in the western suburbs it's um you know, there aren't many places you walk into that are selling two birds that don't have it sitting on the shelf. So, I think it's probably the one I get asked about the most easily. Yeah. It's easily the one that I get asked about the most. It, and again, I, I would say it, it, it probably it makes sense that it would be. It's, it's the most unique, I think, within regards to an ongoing range um, in, of there. And also it's unique just in general. Um, there's not too many like mainstream lime, corn and coriander beers that I can think of. <laughs> it's a very Melbourne thing, really, isn't it? Because it's one of those ones that, you know, I can remember drinking at the Melbourne show and all sorts of places like that. Those places you wouldn't sort of normally expect to cop such an no, interesting No, no, it does, does pop up around there. It definitely, definitely. It's, um, yeah, it'll be good when, when some more venues open up and we can have it on Tuesday taco night somewhere uh, and, and really appreciate it, I think. There's a couple of Mexican restaurants in, in Yarraville that we frequent sometimes and I, I sit there when I'm in there and you watch and it's just a flow of taco beers How is that? out of the tables because it just works perfectly in, in those restaurants. It's, you know, it's, it's the logical choice when you're sitting in a Mexican restaurant opposite Yarraville train station to get the taco beer i mean <laughs> that's is that village canteen by any chance there? yeah 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 that's yep, yep. yeah well you, they just topped up on tacos so i think they're oh, probably go. yeah. gonna yep. be doing some takeaways so <laughs> i think a little shout out to them as well. yes yeah I'll, I'll let him know for... <laughs> <laughs> got a few shout outs though this is good some... oh you know shout outs galore hey shout that's outs it. Galore. Do it. yep are there any other shout outs you'd like to do before we get you to shout out your two birds and your own socials one last um, time? Is there anyone we've missed? Anyone in the whole of Victoria or Australia that we've, or England that we've missed in our grand shout out episode? I mean, the fact I gave a shout out to, um, to, to Nigel at the Queen's Head, I, I wasn't expecting to mention, uh, mention them, but um, I would like to give a little shout out uh, if they're listening to. Um, all the guys and all the all the, the gals and everyone at um, Mornington Peninsula, um, where I worked at previously. Um, they just closed the Latham Street Brewery uh, due to due to COVID and everything like that. Um, and they there's some yeah some really good guys who work there in the brewery and in the office down there at Latham um, that. Must be going through a bit of a tough time, so big, big shout out to those guys, and um, yeah, hope hope they're all doing well. That's for sure. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. So no, same. 
Yeah, um, they've moved moved all the brewing up to their other facilities that they've got. Yep. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, they the only I did hear from them. There's only like two or three people down in the office down here uh, at Mornington side now. So yeah, hope hope they're all going well. Mm. It's uh, definitely a crazy world we live in, but uh, hopefully we come out the other side. And indeed, and um, sorry about the bummer shout no, out. I should I should have got. <laughs> I got uh, one last question. Could just add, because I'm more curious. How far is Two Bird Reach? Where's the point? How in relation to your travels as a rep? How far um, outside well, I of haven't had to, do we get? I haven't had to do too much travels at this point yet, of course, because yeah, of the sense. lockdowns. Yep. Um, but we go pretty pretty far west, um, like surf this like surf bay, and um, we're, we're right down along the coast past Geelong. Um, where's the furthest I've had to get in touch with? Um, I mean, I'll put you on the spot now. Yeah, you have. It's, it's weird seeing it because when I was with Matzos, I used to look after the entire state. So, um, going up and, you know, going up to bloody right up by the border and things like that, they were some really remote trips. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, two, two birds goes, Pretty far west, yeah. Pretty far west by by well past Ballarat. I know that's my probably regular place that I'll be going to. Yep. Um, in person, but yeah, a few of those real far ones. They they end up being a bit of a, just a phone call. Um, if 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 you're running out of time to get out there and seeing them face to face, it tends to be just a bit of a phone call. That's for sure. Amazing. Well, go on, kick us kick us through those socials one more time, and then um we will uh let you go on your way and get back to all of the uh the repping duties that you're doing virtually we'll do. at the moment. yeah we'll do well um again for everything two birds two birds brewing um that's for instagram uh there's also the two birds nest if you want to follow up on anything that's going on at the actual brewery itself do believe that there might be some news with what we can possibly be doing with opening um i don't want to step on anything too ahead of the game but by the time this podcast comes out i think i think there'll be some news on there um so check there out and you'll, you'll have some details and um if you want to follow me and just see photos of beers in different places <laughs> um it's uh it's at blake is brewing on instagram Marvel. excellent mate well thank you for your time this afternoon it's uh it's been excellent and it's been a pleasure thanks for having me guys no worries uh, thanks, lots of people grab those four packs and get to enjoy the uh the two birds experience if they've not done so in the past It'd be pretty remarkable if you live in melbourne and you haven't tried two birds but yeah i'd be very surprised but yeah. uh no, it'd be good and thanks for having me guys a pleasure mate thanks very much hey there cool room listeners we've got a little ad for you No, we're not asking for money so that you can advertise quality mattresses, razors, or any of those other sort of things that seem to get advertised on podcasts. What we're looking for is other fun podcasts that would like to share a 30-second ad with our listeners, letting everyone know why they're so great, and in return, letting us share a 30-second ad for The Cool Room. We know that right now there's a whole lot of people who are looking for fun new podcasts to help them while away their isolation hours, so if you've got something to share, drop us a line via our Facebook or Instagram accounts. Right, add over.